The reading is from 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 9, reading from the NIV. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Hi, it's, uh, it's great to be with you in this series, A Strange New World. And it very much feels like that, doesn't it? And uh, today I want to look at this uh, phrase, the living stone. Um, that we had read to us. Uh, what a weird phrase. You know, we're way more familiar with, with a phrase such as stone dead. You know, I mean, that's that's as dead as you can get, I think, stone dead. You know, I don't think you can get deader than stone dead. Uh, it's certainly not living. And so it sounds like one of these kind of oxymorons, you know, when you get two words that seem to contradict each other and you get a new phrase uh, out of it. You know, so we get phrases like uh, pretty ugly uh, or virtual reality. Uh, or elementary calculus, as if, you know, if you remember that, uh, or clearly confused, uh, probably more often the case. Uh, then there's, there's Andy Warhol's quote where he said, uh, I'm a deeply superficial person. Uh, maybe you can relate to that. Uh, or Donald Trump's, uh, the budget was unlimited, but I exceeded it. Nah, that, that's not even an oxymoron, is it? That's, that's just Donald Trump. But moving on, it's a a living stone. What, what is that all about? Well, it's a reference to Jesus here by Peter. But why a living stone? Well, it's not just any stone. Peter quotes uh, from Isaiah, uh, who, who prophesied about this Messiah, Jesus Christ, hundreds of years uh, previously, which is remarkable in itself. And he quotes from Isaiah 28, verses 16 and 17. And the stone is described as a precious cornerstone. And the one who relies on it will never be put to shame or dismayed uh, or stricken with panic. Basically, it can be relied on. So that is good for this crazy season that we're in. It's very good news. And Isaiah goes on, he says, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Often when a building is built, the first stone that is laid is the cornerstone or the foundation stone. You know, all other stones are then set in reference to this stone. So all the stones up, up the left, maybe all the stones down that way uh, and everything above it as well. It's the reference point that lines everything up. But Isaiah refers to the measurements and the angles, not in centimetres and degrees, but by justice and righteousness. Two things that our world desperately, desperately needs at every level of society. And even, when we're honest, our own lives. 
And so this stone, this cornerstone, represents these fundamental characteristics of justice and righteousness, making things right in the world, if you like. So imagine for a moment if everything in the world was made right. I mean, all the wrongs were put to right in our world. I mean, I'm sure you've probably got your own mental list of where you'd want to start with that if, if such a thing was possible. Um, there is so much wrong in our world and often our lives. But imagine no pain, no war, no sickness, no loss, no injustice, no brutality or racism, no terrorism or trafficking, no abuse, no fraud, no disease, no lockdown, no tears. You know, the list goes on and on. No bad stuff anywhere in the world. What an amazing place that would be. And if that was on offer, many of us would want to be part of that. Many of us would want to line ourselves up. Again, such a cornerstone, if you like, such a stone that could align such things. So hold that thought for a moment. Now, words like justice can be quite abstract. Uh, and so as humans have developed ways of, of picturing such concepts, and sometimes we personify them. So, for example, there's characters like uh, the Grim Reaper, you know, who represents death. You know, he kind of shrouds around in a, in a hooded cape, creeps around with his sickle, looking for somebody to take out. Um, we might have the concept of, of romantic love pictured uh, in the character of Eros or Cupid, the little Valentine cherub, you know, with a, with a bow and arrow um, and uh, the little heart-tipped, love heart-tipped arrow uh, on the end of it, sitting on his cloud, firing it strategically around a place. Uh, we might surmise particularly at teenagers. Uh, I don't know. But the personification of an abstract concept the concept becomes a person. And that's what the Bible reveals to us here. It's a living stone. The concept becomes a person. Justice and righteousness, making everything right, is living. And it's the person of Jesus, the Messiah. This is not just a, a concept to follow. This is not a set of rules to take on in life. It's a person to follow. It's a person to learn from. It's a person to be changed by as we line ourselves up alongside him. And then Peter writes an amazing thing. He says, you also, you also like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house. God, this uh, amazing master builder, is including you in his great architectural plan of justice and righteousness for this world, for making things right in this world as you align your life with him. You know, each one of us is born into this world with a nature that, that doesn't naturally follow God. We inherit an, an inbuilt nature that primarily looks after number one, which is me. But by coming to God through Jesus, we can trade that selfish nature for a new nature, for God's nature, a new spiritual DNA with a new father, a new family, a new way of living. You know, we simply turn the old nature over to God. We ask for forgiveness. We ask him to, to nail it to the cross because Jesus has taken it for us and ask for the new which he freely gives. And he will adopt us into his family and build us into his plan. And so we become part of a new spiritual house. Now, in Jesus' day in Jerusalem, 
there was a literal temple made of stones. It was the centre of Jewish worship. But the Bible foretold that something new would happen. And Jesus backed that up by teaching the same things. And then Jesus himself describes himself as the temple that would be destroyed, which was fulfilled when he was crucified. But also that it would be raised again, which surprised everyone, but was fulfilled by his physical resurrection. But the actual temple building in Jerusalem would also eventually be destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. And in the meantime, Jesus is building a new temple, not out of bricks and stones, but out of people right outside it. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, uh, we read of the early church, the first Christians, and it says that they met at Solomon's Colonnade, an area on the east side of the temple. So Jesus was building a temple, not of chiseled stone, but out of living stones, living people who have aligned themselves with Jesus, his followers. If you're familiar at all with the, the Palm Sunday story, uh, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem in that last week uh, before he dies, he comes in on a donkey. In, it's in Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 40. And his Jewish followers are celebrating and it says some of the Pharisees, the, the Jewish political religious leaders, said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out? Really? Well, he's not referring to the, the rocks and stones along the road, um, along the path, but all of the people that would align their lives with Jesus through the years across the centuries, across the cultures, down all the generations to come. Not just those with Jewish backgrounds of Jesus' day, but people from right across the whole world. People who recognise that this Jesus is the personification of justice and righteousness. He is the saviour of the world who will make everything right. Uh, over the summer, and uh, I've taken 40 days, um, I've been prayer walking uh, across the entire city of Birmingham, every postcode of Birmingham, pretty well, uh, partly as a, a gift of prayerful encouragement to the churches uh, and also to see what God is doing uh, and to bring the city before him. And I've met various people on my travels, other living stones. Uh, I think of Calvin and Pauline, good friends of mine down in Aston who pastor a church there, who've been pulling people together to give a coherent church response to the issues of racial injustice. Uh, Bettle's ministry uh, to, to drug and alcohol addicted uh, people, you know, seeking to transform their lives. Um, I, I heard of a, a little old lady called Pauline um, who lives in some sheltered accommodation in Acox Green, who before COVID has started a lunch club in her church hall. But during COVID, was still ringing around her whole list of people to encourage them, to pray for them, to listen to them, to talk with them. Many of them older than herself uh, uh, or, or younger than herself. A team from an Indian Orthodox church in East Birmingham ministering to others from their culture right across the city and running a nursery for the local community. And all of these are living like living stones, putting things right, 
um, comes in a whole number of dimensions. Because Jesus wants to put things right between us and God so that we can know him as father, that we can walk in his blessing. And he wants to put things right between us and others. You know, when we've messed up our relationships, he transforms our ability to forgive one another because of his forgiveness for us. And even leads us to a place where we can bless our enemies. He wants to put things right between groups of people, you know, healing rifts in society, men and women, black and white, Jew and Gentile, young and old, and even uh, between the nations. He wants to put things right between us and our environment, the world in which he's placed us and uh, gave us uh, the care of. Putting things right is what justice is really all about. And Jesus is the one who exudes that. This is the cornerstone to align with. And he is the living cornerstone. And we can each be like living stones making a difference where God places us. That is remarkable. So the old temple, it is destroyed in AD 70. And this new temple, this new house, made up of people the early church is being built. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, uh, we read that the early, uh, mainly Jewish church is trying to work out what to do with Paul and Barnabas's non-Jewish converts to Christianity. You know, and Peter speaks into it from the vision that God's given him, in, which is recorded in chapter 13. And then James sums up by quoting from the other prophet Amos, uh, chapter 9, verses 11 to 12, and he refers to the tent or the tabernacle, um, which was really a, a kind of a prototype of the temple. It was a mobile version. It was a kind of um, you could carry it around with you and you could set it up anywhere in the wilderness as a place of worship for God. And so he says of this, he says, I will rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews of our world, who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things. And so therefore James concludes, he says, don't make it hard for these people to turn to God. You know, let everyone in so that they can know me. And so the church, this new spiritual house made up of those of us who believe and follow Jesus, has a purpose. And the purpose is this, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And if you're just turning to God, if you're just connecting uh, with the church, then you are to be welcomed in because God wants to cement you into this spiritual house whose very foundation, whose very cornerstone is about making everything in the world right again, led and empowered by God. And that will start with your own life. And as we are set apart to live for God, as we saw last week, you know, God's spirit changes us and makes us holy, uh, a holy nation, verse 9. Def definitely not about self-righteousness, but it is about being like Jesus, uh, a holiness that should attract others. Uh, people who are no longer living as consumers, but those who are looking to serve God and serve others. Uh, people who are positively expressing the fruits of holiness you know, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love and joy and peace. It's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness and self-control. Expressing those positive fruits of holiness. It's dependent on God's Holy Spirit in our daily lives for faith, 
is leading, uh, living right lives and abstaining from sinful desires, as Peter puts it. And Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 8, he says this, he says, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Uh, the missional thinker, uh, Michael Frost, puts it like this. He says, the purpose of the church is to alert people to the universal reign of God in Christ. To alert people to the universal reign of God in Christ. It's basically a non-negotiable fact. You know, whether people believe it or not, God reigns. Um, so how do we alert people to that? Well, we, we can announce that. Uh, we can declare it through our conversation, through our preaching, through public praise and worship. And we also do it by demonstrating it. We demonstrate that the reign of God and what the reign of God looks like. You know, when God's reign is complete and unfettered and invisible to everyone, what does that look like? It's, it's, surely it's a reign and rule of, of love and grace and justice and peace and mercy. And so therefore we're to go and demonstrate those very things. You know, show people what the world to come looks like here in the midst of the disorder of this world. So we are to alert people to the reign of God by speaking of it and demonstrating it. I love the, the image of, of going to the cinema, uh, if you can remember such a pastime. But if you can imagine what the world will one day or might one day be like when Jesus has put everything right, that is like the main upcoming feature film. And therefore, we are to live lives a bit like a trailer for that upcoming feature. And when you watch a trailer at the cinema, you, you might turn to someone and say, oh, I love the look of that film. Do you want to go and see it? And so people ought to look at the church. They ought to look at each of our lives and they should see a trailer of this world to come, the kingdom of God. They should see love and justice, grace, mercy, kindness, as well as celebration and joy and all sorts of nice flavours. They should see us and say, I like that. I want to see the whole thing. That is the purpose of church. Like Jesus, to personify these fantastic concepts of the kingdom of God as we let him shape us and live his life through us. Now, when I was at school, and I'll finish with this, I did a project about the Wild West. And how the pioneers moved across America. And in one particular spot on the eastern slopes of the Rockies, there was a, a large dirt covered rock sticking out in the middle of the trail. You know, wagon wheels were all, always breaking on it. People were always tripping over it. And finally, someone dug it up, get it out of the way. And they took this odd stone and they rolled it off the trail and into a nearby stream. Quite, quite a large stream. Uh, it was too wide to jump over. And so people started to use the stone to step across uh, the cold creek. And it was used for years like that until finally one settler came and built his cabin near the stream. And he moved the odd stone out of the stream and he placed it in his cabin to serve now as a doorstop. Anyway, the years passed, the railroads were built, the town sprang up and the old settler's grandson went east to study geology. And on a visit to his grandfather's cabin, uh, the grandson happened to examine the old lump of stone and discovered within it that big lump of dirt and rock was actually the largest nugget of pure gold ever discovered on the eastern slopes of the Rockies. And it had been there for three generations. People had never recognised its value. To some, it was a stumbling stone to be removed. 
To others, it was a stepping stone. And to others, it was just a heavy rock. But only the grandson saw it for what it really was, a lump of pure gold. And Jesus is the precious rock God has given us. The cornerstone, the living stone. So will you come to the rock today? Will you build your life upon him? And one day you will discover Jesus will either be a stepping stone that gives you access to God, or he will be a rock over which you stumble. So close and yet so far. The choice is yours. I want to pray. Uh, I'd love to invite you to, to join with me. Uh, just to close your eyes, really, um, and to hold your hands out prayerfully uh, to receive as I pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. So close your eyes if you want to. Hold your hands out. Let me pray. Come, Spirit of God. Minister to each one now. Let each one see you as gold. Let us see just how precious you are. I see just a glimpse of what this world could be if things were made right. Lord God, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. Forgive me when I get it wrong. Empower me to get it right. Show me how to live this week so that I can be a trailer for your kingdom. Let your spirit fill me and overflow in my family, in my community, in my workplace, in my Zoom calls, to my neighbours, to my friends. And let justice flow and righteousness to my world. In Jesus' name. Amen. There is strength within the sorrow There is beauty in that tears And you meet us in our morning With a love that casts out fear Working in our waiting, sanctifying us when beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. All your plans are still to prosper. Have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the floods. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. You are. Unimagined 
understand your ways Reigning high above the heavens Reaching down in endless grace You're the lifter of the lowly Compassionate and kind You surround and you uphold me Thank you Lord And your promises are my delight All your plans are still to prosper You have not forgotten us You're with us in the fire and the flood Faithful 